Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. It is Crown Corner, uh, this dropping on the 6th day of April 2023, special day in uh, in my household, but uh, very, very happy to be here with you as we get you ready for this weekend in soccer with Charlotte FC heading to a venue they have not played in yet, uh, Real Salt Lake. They'll take on Real Salt Lake for the first time in club history, one of the new opponents that they have on their ledger during this sophomore season. Will Palaccio, Jessica Chalman here with you as we get you ready for match day number seven. What's going on, Jess? How are you? Well, I feel like you threw me under the bus. Is it your birthday today? Yes! <laughs> Happy birthday, Will. You make me look like such an A. Oh, my goodness. Come on. <laughs> Happy, happy birthday. We are glad to have you here. And I know you will. There is no other way you'd want to spend your birthday than uh, talking about soccer. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Um, I I feel like this week we're starting to see a lot of the the optimism return for a lot of people, but there are others who are kind of sitting themselves on the fence and still kind of wondering – you know, where this team is going to go beyond this little stretch that they have here. Uh, they're in a stretch right now where they're playing teams that don't necessarily have the point totals that the Charlotte FC teams they started up against uh, have. But in terms of where you feel like this team is playing right now over the course of the last three games where they've gotten points in all three matches against Orlando, New York, and then last weekend against Toronto, is the tide starting to turn in your mind? I'm trying to be a realist with it and taking every game as it comes, but I definitely think we can feel a lot more positive about the way we've played over the course of the last three games and the fact that we've been able to dig up results and get points in three consecutive games, which is a really good position to find yourself in. I think it's even better position to find yourself in when, as you mentioned, Will, you look to the next couple of games and you see your opposition and you see how they're struggling and you kind of have this opportunity right now pick up more points and really insert yourself and make up for that poor start that you had to begin the season with. I don't like to say this should be a win or this should be three points or, you know, this team playing this way because, because we know the magic of football happens and then the game happens. And I think about the game against uh, Vancouver a year ago where, you know, they started out in the lead very, very early in a game where, uh, they had a lot of injuries, and they were down to, I think, something like 18 players or something like that, or even 16 players. They didn't necessarily have a full roster that they brought and one of the longest trips that any MLS team has to make going west to east, and and they started out right on the front foot against us. So I, I never like to try and tempt fate in that fashion, but this is a squad in Real Salt Lake that's going off back-to-back 4-0 defeats. After a win in the opening weekend, uh, they have really struggled out of the gate, and there's been questions about the manager. They've they've done a whole bunch of different lineups to try and fix their offensive woes. They completely shook up the striker position last week. What is your assessment of the way you look at uh, Real Salt Lake through five weeks of their season? I know you don't like to tempt fate, but I think when you look at Real Salt Lake and how they're playing, this is very much a must-win game in terms of you can't let a team that is basically on their knees right now 
win. You, you just can't let them into this game. You've looking at the last two matches, 4-0 consecutive defeats, and they've just looked very bad. Even within their fan bases, a lot of the talk is that this is the worst start in history for them. And potentially, if Charlotte FC is able to win, it'll be the first time they've ever lost three games consecutively to start a season at home. Real Salt Lake is historically a very difficult place to go play. You're going to altitude, you're going to Utah, you're going to difficult circumstances. They haven't been able to utilize that to their advantage this season, which I think says a lot about how disorganized they are. You know, I like to touch on goalkeepers. They threw a 17-year-old kid in goal on Saturday. And yes, he's a kid that has national team experience, youth national team experience, but at the same time, to put a young goalkeeper in that position and have him concede four, very difficult scenario, very difficult circumstances in Real Salt Lake. And I think you touched on it, Will. This is a club that has a manager that is pretty much fighting for his job right now. I'll be interested to see how we approach this one. I think it's important not to get complacent, of course. And I think that's what you were kind of echoing with the the world of soccer and how unpredictable it can be. But you don't want to be complacent, but you also don't want to show too much respect. You want to go in and show this team what you're about. Uh, it has nothing to do with what I saw happen to Tottenham against Everton. It has, has nothing to do with anything about that. You know, a team that you know is in the relegation zone and, and beat a team that's striving for. You're top projecting. You're projecting, Willie P. Let's be honest. Fine. Just a tad. It's totally fine. Just a tad. It's your birthday. I'll be nice. I'll let you it's off. Fine. It's fine. Uh, playing at altitude is something we underwent last year when Charlotte FC played against Colorado. Uh, it's something that we see also whenever uh, the CONCACAF Champions League stuff comes in where you have some of these Mexican sides or, or Central American sides that uh, are more at altitude than uh, where we are back here at sea level. Charlotte FC uh, making the precaution happen, which is similar to what they did a year ago and in, in traveling a day early. It looks like they might get a training session in at altitude just to kind of get uh, their legs underneath them from that standpoint. But I, I wonder how that maybe changes the way you go about putting through with this lineup and how you end up organizing the subs because Miguel and Howard Ramirez was the manager last time the Charlotte FC played at altitude. I'm wondering how Christian Latanzio handles this because you're going to be looking in about the 50th, 60th minute. You might see some more fatigue out of these guys than you would normally, especially if, in fact, they're in a game that's closely contested. Yeah, altitude is really, really difficult. And talking from experience, having played some games in altitude in South America, it's not something to joke around with. It definitely fatigues you quicker. It's harder to breathe. Yes, these are elite athletes, but you're switching up the way that their blood is flowing and the way that they're able to recover. So we've talked a lot about substitutes and maybe not using our subs early enough at times. I thought we did a better job of showing ambitious substitutes in the last game, by the way. But this is going to be one where you need your bench players, where you need your squad depth. And we saw it. Uh, last week, we have a very powerful bench, depending on what starters you go with. We're able to bring off Melo. We're able to bring on uh, Swiderski. That's two high-quality players to bring off your bench. And I think this is going to be a game where we need to make sure everyone is prepared. I do really agree with the club's decision to go travel a day early and try and adjust and try to just kind of get that altitude into your system and understand how it's going to affect you in the game because it is something that you can prepare for. And truth be told, it's it's something that probably takes more than a day to to get yourself up to speed with but uh, I think you you do the best you can with with what is given I don't think you know going out there on Wednesday necessarily helps it even more I think it's again it's one of those things that Charlotte FC it's it's better to have that than to not on the opposite side thinking about the way the team news might uh play out this weekend Jess it's it's very interesting because 
you have a scenario developing with Brant Bronico returning to be able to be available selection after his suspension is, uh, has lapsed now. You have Carol Svidersky, who most seemingly will try to make a bid after playing 30 minutes last weekend against Toronto. You have a scenario developing where Ben Bender played one of his better games that we've seen him play in recent memory, and obviously coming off of a goal scored. I think the front three might be set, depending on the way you look at it right now. I think Vargas, Yozviak, and Capetti have all earned their spots, and I don't think you want to change anything in the back four. So if you assume that that those four, the front three, and Derek Jones and holding midfield are basically the same, keeping in mind that it looks like we might be about a week away from Ashley Westwood returning to the lineup, how do you feel that this organization of the midfield is going to look? Because Christian Latantio has got some options, but I also feel like someone's going to feel hard done by if they don't get a spot with two spots basically up for grabs and more than two possibly vying for them. Yeah, it's going to be a really tough decision for Latantio when you look at it because I think everyone that played in last weekend's game earned themselves a right to be considered in the starting lineup. You know, Carroll hasn't played in the last two games, obviously, as a starter. And I think that he is your designated player, but do you insert him right now into that number 10 role or do you try and allow some chemistry to be building? I think that I was a big advocate for Nuno Santos and his minutes. I'm not sure he grabbed the opportunity quite as well as he could have in terms of his finishing last game is obviously a big highlight for the wrong reason. So I'm wondering if we see Nuno Santos have an opportunity coming off the bench instead. Ben Bender, look, I thought the evolution of Ben Bender in this game was fantastic. Does he get the opportunity to start now that you're getting Brown Bronico back, now that you're looking at trying to put Karas Federsky in? Not 100%, but I do think we've seen that at least off of the bench, Ben Bender can 100% be trusted for significant minutes. With Brown Bronico, yes, he has had some tougher games over the last few uh, games that he played and obviously had that suspension but I still think he's the heart and soul of this team when it's fighting and when it's doing well and when it's physical. Uh, so I think you do try and reinsert Brant back into the lineup if you can. And I know that one brings you a lot of joy to hear me say. And I don't know if I necessarily agree because I, I, wow. I, I feel again, I, I, I feel like Ben earned himself another go at it. I really do. And I think that's part of the reason why I'm very conflicted because uh, no one's a bigger Brant Bronico fan than me, and I'm not trying to you know, sit here and tell anybody anything that they don't already know, but I think Ben Bender earns another opportunity to start. I really do, and I think... And I'm okay with that decision if that's what yeah. Latanzio goes with. I, I am, because I think he showed that he has improved that level of physicality in his game, and now it's about finding consistency, because I think with Ben Bender last year, we saw moments of Ben being incredible, but he wasn't quite able to find it consistently. So it would be a great chance to see him, particularly against his RL, RSL side, get the opportunity to really show what he can do. Now, the only thing that I have a question about, if you go that route, is what you do with the other midfielder. You mentioned Nuno Santos. I don't think he earned an opportunity to get another go at it. I, I'm wondering if you have Carroll in there at the number 10 position, but the only problem that I have with putting Ben and Carroll on the field together uh, is the same reason you might have had a problem going into last week with the midfield is that you really don't have that nasty kind of player in the midfield to try and disrupt things. And that might leave you vulnerable against an RSL side that's needing any particular advantage to try and 
uh, capitalize on because while you have a lot of great offensive firepower, I'm wondering what you give up defensively. And yes, you can put it all on Derek Jones's plate, but that's a lot to put on that guy's plate. Not that he's not capable of it, but I, I wonder how you go about organizing things. So it might be a scenario where I don't know if you can put Ben and Carroll out there together. It might have to be Bronico and Carroll, or it might have to be Ben and Nuno, because I think Nuno offers you a lot more defensively than any of those other guys other than Brandt possibly does. The issue, though, with Nuno, like you said, is that he had two looks very, very much in front of goal that he did not capitalize, and, and I don't know if that's something that uh, you can reward at this point when you have a hotly contested position like you do right now with Charlotte FC's midfield. Yeah, and I think that's why, for me, Bronico gets the nod just ahead because of what he offers in terms of that physical presence. I think that we saw Camille Josviak in the lineup for that reason, uh, for what he offers with the nasty streak, the defensive side of things, and now he's offered the service as well. So I think he's undroppable, but it, it's hard because you want to build this chemistry between your midfield. You don't want to change things. I think you're right about DJ as well. It's funny because when you look at Derek Jones in terms of his physical presence, in terms of his size, you think he's going to be this wrecking ball, but actually that's not 100% Derek Jones's game. He's no. more of the composed one. He's more of the distributor. I think he gets wrongly stereotyped sometimes as this mean guy in midfield. And he's not. He actually partners well with someone like Brant Bronico in order for Brant to be able to be the mean chippy guy and Derek to be the more composed distributor. So I'm interested to see the lineup. But I do think that that front three of Capetti and then Josviak and Vargas needs to stay the same because I don't think you have a more full package in terms of being able to offer something defensive and something attacking and building chemistry and service that is ready to go for 90 minutes yet. It's funny you mentioned that about Derek. I remember that that opening conversation we had after uh, we acquired DJ last year, and I was talking with uh, some of the guys uh, who covered him in Houston, and one of the things they said was was exactly that, Jess, is that you know he looks from his frame like somebody you're wanting to have bowl over. And in reality, he probably in his Houston time was a lot more passive than the folks there wanted him to be. Now, he hasn't played that way necessarily here in Charlotte, but I do think that there is opportunities for him to not necessarily get nastier, but maybe impose his will a little bit more. But, but like you said, he plays a very smart midfield. He's not going to have the foul numbers up like a Bronico or even, even somebody like a Josviak, who we know can get the foul numbers up more from a pesky standpoint, necessarily an, an egregious standpoint. So I do feel like th there is even some more room for, for Jones to be more aggressive. I do want to ask as well, because uh, Svidersky at the right wing was something we saw earlier this season. Is there a worry that it just to get Carroll on the field, it might be a scenario where you see Josviak on the left side in, in place of Vargas and then maybe a right wing at, at Carroll Svidersky just because, and again, it would be a hard done thing for Kerwin Vargas. I think Kerwin has played sparkling. He's been as good as any forward we've had out there this season. But the temptation to get Carroll on the field, if there's a way to, to at least – uh, maybe get him in the full 90. Do you think that's a route that Latanzio might go? I really hope not. I, I hope not. And that's not to be disrespectful to Carroll, but I don't think we see his full potential when he's playing at a right wing. And I also think you're then sacrificing pieces in your puzzle that have been successful in that role. So I wouldn't. If anything, I would say Carroll at attacking midfielder, and it's not fair on Ben, but I, I think that's the route maybe you go with getting Carroll into the lineup if you want Carroll and Brandt together. I think Nuno and Ben get sacrificed for that. 
is it a possibility? I mean, yeah, it is a possibility because you've heard the Tanto and his pressers say that he sees that Carroll can be a right wing. Do I think we get the best bang for our buck with Carroll being as a right winger? No, I don't. And I don't think it helps us get our best versions of players on the field, which is very important for us to to be successful. I'm kind of with you there. It's uh, it's it's difficult and and. This is why we always say we, we are glad we're not the manager because these are the decisions that need to be made. And quite frankly, they are put up from that perspective. Uh, what does a win mean for Charlotte FC in this fashion? Because a win for them, they'd come home and play Colorado next and then take on Columbus Crew before a uh, matchup at the end of the month against D.C. United. Uh, like we said, this is a stretch with games. Uh, Columbus Crew aside against teams that are down in the bottom portion of the standings, and we're trying to get vaulted up uh, away from that side of our own standings here on the Eastern Conference side. But uh, I think these next two weeks could really completely flip the story. I was walking into the office today, and someone was like, "Is Charlotte any good?" Because you know, I saw the Atlanta game, and you know, I saw them get beat three nil. And then, you know, unfortunately for a lot of people's perception, that's that's the last time they've seen them because that was the last time they were available on on broadcast TV. I know that the game last week was open to the free uh, uh, on the uh, on the Apple app, and we'd certainly encourage you to do that again this week because the game is free on Apple MLS Season Pass without a subscription this week. But uh, I'm wondering if if maybe the eyeballs come back with a couple of wins for for people, and I think that'll also uh, change the narrative a little bit in that in that sense in that fashion. Yeah, I definitely think so. I also think where it's a helpful thing is it really starts to show us that being on the road doesn't matter anymore, right? I think there was a big mental component about us struggling on the road last year with it taking so long to pick up road points and still never really being able to consistently pick up points on the road. So that would be brilliant. What I am really looking for, though, and beggars can't be choosers, I would take any sort of win. But I think that clean sheet is really important as well. True. Having a 90-minute performance where we don't give up any defensive lapses, where we don't shoot ourselves in the foot with a defensive play, it's great to win. But I think winning with a shutout, winning with a clean sheet would be so important mentally for this back line too as we started to find some stability. And it would be lovely to just have a 90 minutes where no player is thinking, damn, I should have done this differently in terms of not conceding a goal this way or that way. I would really, really like a clean sheet because I think the impact that could have would be incredible. Yeah, two-half performance definitely uh, is high on my priority list because I still think that we haven't put our two best halves together yet in the same game, and, and to do it here uh, in week number seven would be very, very nice to do. Uh, it is a late night for us on Saturday. We'll be on the air at 9 p.m., 9.30 is the kick time out in Salt Lake, so be listening for us on that. Well, of course, like we said, uh, that game is on MLS Season Pass on the free portion of the Apple TV site, so that is going to be very, very cool for folks if uh, they want to stay up late uh, be sure to not only turn the sound down but also listen to us on the broadcast late night as well uh, Jess uh, hope everything goes well for you rest of this week and I'll see you on Saturday yes bring your coffee it's going to be a late night one we will talk to you on Saturday and hope you're listening to us on the Charlotte FC radio network